We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up? It's Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. We have a, a feel-good podcast to record today, I think, because Chicago sports gave us a rare gift of not one but two victories over hated Boston sports last night. The Bears coming through with what I'm going to say is their best primetime performance since the crown their ass game against oh my. Danny Green back in the day, right? Every other Bears primetime game since then has been a disaster. And the Bulls get down 19 early against the Celtics. You're thinking, wow, can we just sim to end on this one? This is going to be rough. Somehow battle back and end up turning in their own blowout victory over Boston. So Pretty incredible performance out of the Bulls last night. I thought, first thing I thought of, Jason, this literally happened last year. Last year, they played the Celtics in the sixth game of the season. They got down 19 points in the first half, came back and won the game. It happened again last night. Get down big early, battle back and win. Uh, There's lots we can talk about, I guess, With uh, since the last time we recorded. Zach Levine made his season debut against the Cavs. Also played against the Celtics. Uh, I thought he almost looked better against Cleveland than he did against Boston. We'll get into that a little bit more later. We have the constant Patrick Williams discourse, still starting for the Bulls, not really producing much in his starting role whatsoever. Uh, Will he continue to be a starter? Is he going to get benched? Does he even deserve rotation minutes at this point, given what we saw out of Derek Jones Jr. last night? And then we got Io DeSumo, who last night looked like someone who was taking a major leap in his second season. Io went nine for 10 from the field. He was ripping three pointers. He was burning Jason Tatum to the cup to get to the rim. He was hitting mid range pull ups. It looked like the version of Io we saw at Illinois, where he was an All American and a flat out three level scorer. Uh, Jason, I guess 
I'll kick it to you and just ask what really stood out to you from the Celtics game and just how are you feeling about the team four games into the season? First of all, fuck Boston in the words of if you have, if you've seen winning time, uh, the HBO show about the Lakers, there's like a whole episode where that's basically like the entire ethos is fuck Boston. Uh, so yes, it's great to see that the bulls and the bears coming with those big wins, but for the bulls specifically last night's game, I mean, it's start after the, they lose to Cleveland. So again, to, quick recap after they beat Miami, they lose on the road in Washington on the DeMar Duro, They they went down big again in that game. They've gone down big in every game they've played so far this season. They went down, I think, 15 in that Wizards game. They make, come all the way back. DeRozan misses a three-pointer at the buzzer. Almost did it again like he did last year. And uh, the NBA ruled the next day that he sh- was should have been uh, given three free throws, could have won the game, whatever. Cavs, home opener, Zach's debut. Get Bulls just get their ass beat almost from the start. So then this game yesterday against the Celtics, they I mean the Celtics scored the first 12 points. They had eight of their first nine threes. Jason Tatum had 15 points in like the first eight minutes before going to the bench. And it's 35 to 16 with three and a half minutes left in the first. And it's like, I mean, this game is fucking over. Like they are the Celtics look like a well-oiled machine. They've been playing really great to start the year. They were three and oh, move seemingly moving past the Adoka scandal and all that's all that stuff. They just, again, they look like a well-oiled machine. Look like the Bulls had absolutely no chance. But I and Io played a huge role in kind of starting to stem that tide. He had a couple threes, he had like eight quick points there. Where all of a sudden that 19-point lead is down to nine at the end of the first, and then the second quarter, the bench, uh, Derek Jones Jr. You mentioned Derek Jones Jr. come in, coming in just kind of all over the place, cutting. Uh, getting dunks, getting to the free throw line. The Bulls took a lot of free throws yesterday, and I know Celtics fans were whining a whole lot about the officiating because we also saw Joe Missoula get tossed. We saw Grant Williams get tossed. Not sure if he's going to get suspended for making contact with the ref. Uh, we saw Jason Tatum get a technical, and he. I think the Celtics were looking for Nikola Vucevic to get teched up, and it didn't happen. The free throw disparity was big, but like and the Celtics took almost 53s in this game. They were just chucking jumpers, and the Bulls were actually being pretty aggressive after that awful start. So the bench definitely, Io in the bench, huge role, turning the tide. Caruso was all over the place. Dragic was pushing pace. One of the things, the Bulls have not, we talked about pace in the preseason, and the Bulls have not been getting out and on the break much and pushing pace like they were in the preseason. Yesterday, we saw them turning the defense into offense, finally getting stopped. Celtics finally started missing, and they just kept chucking threes, and they kept missing. Bulls turning defense into offense, ball movement, player movement, with that bench, with like with Jones, with Caruso, with Dragic, Kobe had a few assists, even though he barely played. He had like four or five assists in like nine minutes. He had a few very short stints, but uh, and the Bulls, whatever, they turned the tide big time. And then in the third quarter, it looked like the Celtics were going to go on a big run. The Bulls were just going to fold. And then Io again, huge minutes. Vooch, the birthday boy, had twenty three rebounds. He had like seventeen or eighteen and twenty three. Missed a bunch more bunnies. Still kind of a problem here with Vooch to start the season, missing shots he should make. But, I mean, he dominated when the Celtics tried to go small. Uh, Al Horford really didn't do too much against him. So Vooch with a monster game was also a big role. DeMar had his own solid game, 25-5-5. So it seemed like the Celtics were going to come back. They got it down to three. Bulls push it back out to 21, and the fourth quarter was basically all garbage time. So just great responses. Uh, on multiple occasions by the Bulls after first falling down and then withstanding the Celtics' big push in that third quarter. And it just seems like from all these games, we, these four games we've seen so far, the Bulls just kind of are a total wild card. Like, we know 
DeMar will mostly be good. He was bad against the, the Cavs. That was like his one dud game. But like the Bulls just got to seem like a wild card based on what they're going to like, what the, the performance will be on night tonight. I mean, I mentioned that falling behind big has been a, a theme through all these games. They fell behind by nine early in Miami on multiple occasions. They fell behind by 15 against Washington. They fell by, they lost to the Cavs by 32. They go down 19 here. So like, it's dangerous to always be needing to come from behind like this. And that's where the Patrick Williams stuff comes into play. Like if he's going and he had, he did nothing again last night. He did nothing against the cat. I mean, he's done nothing all season basically so far. Uh, and yesterday he was, and based on that Cavs game too, like he's getting the Keith Bogans rotation where he plays the first six minutes of the, each half and then doesn't play again until whatever he played garbage time, both the last couple games uh, because whoever the starters have been awful, but then like the bench comes in uh, and we've seen some good bench performances. We've seen some bad ones too. Uh, I know the other night against the Cavs, they went to that all bench unit and Donovan Mitchell and whatever the Cavs starters were just killing them. And Billy kept the stay with them too long, but the starting unit, just not getting the job done. And Patrick Williams is doing nothing. So like, how long does Billy go with that? Uh, I know if I obviously threw a lot at, at you here, but um Overall, just a great, great way to come back because if they would have gotten blown out by Boston and we're looking at one and three with a couple blowouts at home to start the season, it's just like, well, here we go again. That was what we saw happen with the Bulls last year is getting routinely, routinely punked even on their home court against good teams. But great response to the ugly game against the Cavs and the ugly first eight minutes against Boston. So there's a lot of places we could start, but I don't think we've mentioned this guy's name yet. And to me, he was probably the biggest reason they beat Boston yesterday. That was Nikola Vucevic. I did. Boston just did not have the size (laughs) to match up with him inside. Vuce was gashing them on the boards. He had over 20 boards midway through the third quarter. Yeah. Uh, So he was just piling up the rebounds. Boston, obviously they're small up front right now without Robert Williams, but I thought Vooch was doing a great job of establishing inside position and just getting easier looks at the rim. Now, last year, it's almost like the Bulls took stock in kind of the lack of shooting they had on the roster, and they decided that they needed Vooch to be a volume outside shooter. That sort of took Vooch away from his sweet spots on the floor, and I think this year in his second season playing alongside Zach and DeMar, uh, he's getting back to where he should be, which is dominating on the block. And, you know, it's only a few games so far this year, obviously, but I have his uh, his frequency numbers up from cleaning the glass. This year, Vooch has taken 47% of his shots at the rim. Last year, he was taking 28. The year before that, when he came to the Bulls, he was taking 24. And he's never been a center who takes a lot of shots at the rim. Uh, typically, he's really high volume in the mid-range, and Vooch is an accurate mid-range shooter too, so it makes sense. But this year, the big change in his statistical profile through the first four games is Vooch is getting his ass down low in the paint. And it seems like something that was emphasized from the start of training camp throughout the preseason, and now we're seeing it to the early point of this season. Uh, The other thing that sort of jumps out is that Vooch has been not a super accurate shooter uh, at the rim yet. He's only making 61% of his attempts within three feet. That's down from 68% last year. Uh, And, you know, you think that that's probably going to come up, right? He's still missing some bunnies, which has been an issue for him basically since the Bulls acquired him. But I love the usage of Vooch, which is essentially get your big ass down low near the rim. It's on everyone else to try to hit you early in the shot clock to, uh, you know, set up some offense. 
And I just think that like, if you want to get the bulls playing with pace and you want to sort of utilize Vooch to be the best version of himself, I love the idea of having him like establish good post position early in the shot clock and feeding him and like basically playing off him. I think that that makes a lot more sense than having him sort of facilitate at the elbow, which he did a lot of last year when teams would trap the high pick and roll against Zach or DeMar. In uh, really like the other thing the Bulls are doing is having their role players like IO uh, take more three pointers. So like you're still getting some of the shooting from the other guys. The Bulls are 27th in three point rate so far through four games last year, they were 30th. So they're still not taking a lot of threes, but maybe they're, you know, starting to inch up a little bit uh, just in terms of their attempts from three. But I love that it's not solely relied on Vooch to carry the three point volume. Uh, he's been really good just uh, trying to score down low. So what do you think of Vooch so to, far? Jace? To your point about that, which also plays in this is his free throw rate, which is historically just always really bad. I mean, he took like under two free throws a game last year. Looking at his game log, like the last four games against the Bucks in the playoffs, he didn't take a single free throw. He took five in game one, did not take a single free throw the rest of the series so far. And like, just again, over the course of his career, he's always around like, I think two, three per game. Uh, hold on. I have his, like I said, I have his numbers up right here, pulling it up. Uh, his career high in free throw attempts per game is 2.9. And that was a long time ago. Um, so far this year, he's at 5.3 small sample size theater, of course, but three of the four games, he's taken at least four free throws. We got a four, we got a five and we had a 12, which I believe was his career high against the wizards. He went, uh, tw- I think he was 12 of 12 from the free throw line. So that just uh, more just to your point about him being more aggressive inside uh, them doing, establishing more down there. Cause he, I mean, you mentioned that in the three point rate, he's still taking four and a half per game, which I believe is what he was around last year. It's cleaning up. I think not, maybe just not as much of the mid range stuff. So clearly he's moving a lot of the stuff to- closer to the rim, still taking a Oak steady diet. I mean, he took three yesterday, three against Cleveland, seven against Washington, five against, Miami not converting. He's only 27.8%. So let's hope that comes, but, but I mean, if he takes four threes a game, that's fine. Four or five is fine. That's about where he's been where he was last year, but yeah, turning those mid range shots, which we know like he can hit them, but like would rather have those around the basket instead. You obviously still like to see some pick and pot mid range stuff, but uh, if the, you turn more of those shots around the basket, now we just got to convert them. He's only at 41.4% overall. Uh, he's been under 40% in three of the four games. So we need to start making his shots uh, better. But yeah, using him like this, it definitely seems to, or getting it, if he can still get to the line, I don't think he's going to be at five free throws a game uh, at the end of the season, but if he can be at three or four, I mean, that's another extra point or two per game that you get. Uh, that's good. And he's just been playing great. I mean, I feel like his defense has been pretty solid. He's been killer on the boards. I mean, he was super aggressive on the glass last night. He had like eight or nine. I don't know. I think he had 10 offensive rebounds. Uh, some of that was him rebounding his own little easy bunny misses, but like still, taking advantage of the size. And I mean, and the broadcast was like, just, I, we know like the broadcast always loves to harp on like getting the ball inside. It's a simple game and all that. But sometimes when you're playing against a smaller team, it is like, I know like posting up Marcus smart, isn't always the way to go because he's a defensive player of the year. He's strong as hell. That might not be the way you want to go. But I mean, sometimes if you got a smaller guy on him, Vooch is fucking six, 11, six, 10, one of the better centers in the league. Like, he should be able to score on smaller guys. So Getting those mismatches is good. Getting him inside. Like, I don't want them to obviously slow things down and 
be like constantly pounding Vooch in the paint, but you can get good stuff happen. If you get him the ball down there, you get when they collapse on him, kick out to find shooters and stuff like that. And if you can keep getting to the line at a little bit more rate, a higher rate, like he has so far to start the season, it's a pretty good thing. All right, let's talk about Io because Io was awesome yeah. against yeah. the Celtics. And I think after that first game when the Bulls beat the Heat, Io was really good in that game, had 17 points, defending well. I'm thinking, here comes the Io DeSumo yeah. second year leap. Now, I haven't really been like beating the drum for that, but it's just natural to think it. Yeah. I always try to take a little bit more of like, I want to see what, 12 to 15 games yeah. at the start of the season before I start saying that someone's going to enjoy a breakout year. I think that's normally when the stats start to stabilize. Uh, but Io's next two games after the season opener against Boy. Washington, against Cleveland, pretty rough, dude. I think yeah. he only combined to score 12 points across those two games. Just wasn't really making his mark offensively. He was missing his threes, which is part of it. He went one for four from three in both those games. Uh, but also just like wasn't really like bending the defense at all as a driver, wasn't getting into his mid-range pull-up game. So I was, you know, a bit like, are we putting too much in the idea of an Io DeSumo second year break? One of those games, I think the Wizards game, I think he had seven points in like the first few minutes. It was one of those two games. He started great again. I was like, oh, here we go. And then he just did nothing the rest of the game. But go ahead. But he was awesome against the Celtics. Yes. Finishes with 22 points, goes 4-4 four four from 3, 9-10 from the field. Uh, he was really, really good as a shooter. Now, he does still have a little bit of a dip uh, on his catch and shoot, but I think there's no doubt that the shot looks a lot quicker off the catch than it has at any other point in his career. Me and you have both seen Io DeSumo play a lot of basketball games at yep. different levels over the course of his life. I've never seen him that confident as a shooter as he looked last night. Of course, it's easy to say when they all go in, but he had a transition three from the corner. I think in the second quarter where Caruso had the hit ahead pass, uh, just like it was the type of play that typically I feel like you catch that in attack. Io just stroked it as soon as he caught it. Ball went up immediately, no second guessing, and he drained it. Uh, really haven't seen many record scratches out of him nope. through these first four games. Like He's not second guessing himself. When the ball swings to him on the perimeter, he's letting it fly. So I think that's great. Uh, and he's still able to get to the rim and give the Bulls a little bit of you know off-the-dribble creation. We haven't really seen much live dribble passing out of him to this point. Uh, you know, the first game against Miami, he had four assistants, then two or three assists every game. Really, he's still not like an amazing athlete, especially around the rim. He just doesn't have a lot of pop around the basket. I think that's probably a big reason why he didn't have a free. He still doesn't have a free throw for right, four yeah. games. He hasn't even attempted. A free throw. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's plenty of low hanging fruit for IO in terms of like where he can get better to be more impactful. But he looks really good driving the ball to the rim. His shot looks better. Defensively, like, I just trust Io. I know he's not perfect. I know he's going to make mistakes off the ball. And, God, Donovan Mitchell was giving him business <laughs> yeah. in that cab game. But he was owning Caruso, too. I mean, he just looked like he couldn't be stopped. But overall, I think really strong start to the year for Io. They need him to be a consistent scorer on this team, especially with Lonzo out and it's tough because as we'll talk more about with Pat like when you have Vooch Zach and DeMar all sharing the floor together like there's only one ball 
And those three guys are mostly going to dominate the ball and dominate the actions. And everyone else sort of needs to get in where they fit in. But I was taking advantage of the opportunities that he gets. And I love the fact that, you know, unlike last year, when so many times the ball would swing to him on the perimeter, he would hesitate to shoot. Yep. That's not really the case this year. So yep. I like everything I've seen out of seeing out of Io and just hoping that he can, you know, continue to be a consistent scorer for the Bulls because they really need it right now. Yeah, getting the line would definitely be a nice improvement. Uh, I feel like he's he always just he's pretty slithery. I feel like and he does a good job like in avoiding contact. Maybe he could do a better job of trying to finish through contact. We know he got stronger, uh, and yeah, like he does in general. Like he looks really quick. He certainly, I feel like, lacks some of that vertical pop as you mentioned. Although, like that, he had that dunk, again, he had that dunk last year where he dunked on somebody in crunch time, and I was like, "Where has that ever been?" Like, if you can do that more often, like, let's see it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and this he had a couple. I think he had a game or two against the Celtics like this last year as well. We talk about the Bulls making that comeback last year against Boston, where he like didn't miss a shot, uh, and he was just an absolute killer. So that'd be awesome if Io becomes like just a consistent Celtics killer. Um, yeah, I mean, the, like I mentioned, he helped turn the tide in that first quarter, helped whatever, kind of just stem that blow the game from getting totally out of hand with a couple three-pointers, shooting with full confidence. Uh, it's great to see. I mean, he's taking over four three-pointers a game now. I think he's at 50% uh, on just over four per game. I see he's not going to shoot that all season, but uh, I mean, if he's shooting 40% from three on over four attempts per game, that'd be outstanding. Uh, you could certainly bring that up even a little more, perhaps, but... Yeah, I mean, really can't complain too much about Io. Everyone was pretty bad against the Cavs outside of like Zach in that first half. Uh, and then the Wizards game, uh, so I believe it was the Wizards game where I started good and just kind of didn't do much the rest of the game. He's not going to have, he's not going to average 17 a game and he's not going to shoot 90% every time. But uh, so far, you have to, to, two really strong games so far against good competition out of four is a pretty good start here for Io. And even sometimes when he doesn't have good scoring games, he can make impacts make an impact in other ways, uh, which you just love to see. So, yeah, so far, Io, great start to the season, even though it's been somewhat inconsistent. Uh, I think we should talk about Zach, because to me, Zach looked awesome in his season debut against the Cavs. He was generating so much rim pressure, and he was basically just, like, blowing through the defense. First step looked as wicked as ever. Was not playing like someone who was playing hurt. But yesterday against the Celtics, while the Bulls did win that game, and it feels like a uh, definitely a feel-good win for the team, it does. It did remind me a bit of Zach playing hurt in the second half of last season. He just a lot didn't of dribbling, quite as explosive, uh, and he was getting to the rim, but he had no pop to finish at the basket. And, and no normally, calls. like when Zach gets to the basket, he's dunking the shit out of the ball. Yesterday, he's trying to finish below the rim. Jalen Brown got him a couple times. Like you said, there, there might've been one or two calls he could have gotten that he didn't get. He was looking for a few. I know. Uh, but like, it, it's interesting that the bulls were able to beat a team as good as the Celtics without Zach giving him a ton. Yeah. He was five of 15 from the field yesterday off the top of my head. I don't have the box score in front of me, but uh, what, what do you make of Zach so far? Because probably the easiest way for the bulls to like, exceed expectations, make a big leap up the standings this year is for Zach to be, you know, minted as a top 20 overall player, top 25 overall player, which is probably where he's at right now. Top 25, at least. Uh, But like they need Zach to really like 
first of all, prove he's worth all that money, which I'm very happy they paid him, but he's also has to like be healthy and be the best version of himself, which isn't someone we saw in the second half of last season. because he was playing hobbled. And I don't know. But like, what, do you, what do you make of Zach so far? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't see actually that much of that Cavs game. Uh, I was just out. I wasn't able to watch it, but I was following it. I saw the score, uh, following the box score. and like, what do you, they have 17 in that first half in, of his debut. It was an efficient 17 points, something like that, which is good to see. Yeah, I mean, great to see that. And then obviously the second half got out of hand. So what, whatever about that, Mitchell going crazy. Yeah, last night's game wasn't great. I feel like he was dribbling a lot. He had some bad decisions. The end of the first half there when he went early into like the teeth of the defense and threw up garbage and the uh, Celtics went and got a fucked up Marcus Smart bank three-pointer in the half. I was like, oh God, like is this going to come back to bite them? Luckily it did not, but that seemed like a force. Uh, so maybe sometimes just kind of forcing the issue, getting his own offense. Doesn't seem like he's, it seems like they could like maybe run stuff for him more again, like running him off screens. I maybe they don't want to put like have him doing that much of that right now with that knee and like putting too much, too much stress on him in terms of like running him off screens. Maybe they just want to have him kind of do his own thing. Sometimes it seemed like there were times where he was just trying to force his own offense. And we know that he could sometimes hit shots, like that, and it was an overall quiet game. So, like, obviously, I want to give Zach some time, uh, given that clearly that there was a knee issue bothering him, based on Billy admitting that there was soreness in that. So, like, it seems like it might take a little bit of time here for him to get going, get into a rhythm. Hopefully, it's not something that lingers. Of course, uh, if it is something that lingers, and he's just not going to be like that super explosive Zach anymore, that's obviously a long term concern. We don't have to really have to get into that right now. So, like, overall. Uh, he said solid first game back, not so great. Second game back, probably not going to be playing back to backs anytime soon should play against the Pacers tomorrow, uh, which is a team. The Bulls should beat, although they've had, they have some fun players. And they've been scoring a lot. So we'll be interested to see how he does against a Pacers defense, which sucks. And I believe they don't have miles Turner back yet after he got hurt right at the start of the year. Uh, so that could be a good opportunity for Zach to maybe kind of get going a little bit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
All right, we try to talk about Pat. Yeah. Because I, after watching the first three games, my big takeaway from just watching the games was Pat doesn't even touch the ball when he's sharing the floor with Zach, DeMar, and Vooch. We talked about on this podcast in the preseason that we both thought it made a lot of sense for Javante Green to be the starter. Javante played much better than Pat in the preseason. Seems like he's a better fit around the Bulls' three stars. Yet the Bulls decided to roll with Pat as a starting power forward at the beginning of the season. He's done nothing through the four. He's been off and done nothing, but it's not all him. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, I want... I want the Bulls to just try to put him in a position to succeed because it may very well be true that Pat's just not any good, but it also feels like he has such a thin margin for error playing with Zach Vooch and DeMar in the starting lineup. When you have three guys who operate at that high of a usage rate, it's really hard to get into a rhythm if you're the other two guys in the lineup. And some guys are really good at impacting the game without needing to touch the ball a lot. And I just don't think Pat's one of those guys. Like when we saw him have success at earlier points of his career, uh, sometimes it was as, you know, playing with the ball in his hands, initiating the offense, being able to drive. Uh, In the preseason, it was as a role man. Like they were basically playing him in like a nominal center spot, letting him screen, letting him dive, letting him finish above the rim. And it's like, okay, when he's playing with Vooch, he doesn't really get any opportunities to be the role man. When he's playing with DeMar and Zach, he doesn't really get many opportunities to initiate the offense. And instead, he's under this like fierce microscope for every single time he touches the ball, which is rarely that he has to be aggressive and he has to make the most of his opportunities. Well, yesterday against the Celtics, you could see he was thinking in his head, I have to be aggressive, a.k.a. I have to shoot every time I touch the ball. And he was just missing shots yesterday. Yeah. You couldn't. There was a lid on the basket for him. Um, I don't like, as I've talked about on this podcast before, I don't love the idea of just saying Pat needs to be aggressive. Like, what Pat needs to do is just find a way to impact win. That doesn't mean shoot the ball every time you touch it. That doesn't mean, you know, try to force – Right. An opportunity off the dribble when it's not there. You still got to play within yourself. But I guess ultimately what I keep coming back to is that Pat is just a poor fit for what the Bulls need out of that starting four spot. They need a volume shooter. He's still not a very good shooter. Uh, they need someone who plays with a lot of energy defensively. And while Pat's been solid defensively, uh, I mean, he really hasn't been a standout at all. His rebounding numbers have been incredibly quiet. He still doesn't have an assist. I don't hear he got two assists yesterday. His first two assists of the season. Uh, I think. Actually, yeah, I don't know if he has one. No, he has zero assists. He has zero assists through four games. So I don't know why I thought he had two yesterday. Um, so Pat's pretty rough. <laughs> and I do think there's ways to put him in position to succeed. But then, like you said... Yesterday, I sent out this stupid tweet as soon as the Bulls <laughs> go with the bench lineup. So that lineup was Levine with Dragic, with Derek Jones Jr., with Caruso, and I forget who the fifth member was. It was Drummond. Drummond, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, and I tweet as soon as that lineup comes in. These are the lineups I want Pat in. Like, I want to see Pat with DeMar on the bench, Pat and Levine sort of lead the offensive lineups. And I'm thinking, like, we just saw this, like, all-bench unit, basically. They had Levine in there this time, but 
heavy bench unit against Cleveland. They got ran off the floor and they lost the game basically during that portion of the game. Now against the Celtics, they won the game, but digging out of the huge deficit with Dragic and Derek Jones and Drummond sort of calling the shots. So I was totally wrong for that tweet. I'm like begging for Patrick Williams to get on ball reps with the second unit. Meanwhile, Derek Jones is flying all over the floor. He's dunking everything. And what I was thinking while that was going on was, huh, should Pat even play over Derek Jones? Like, what does Pat do that Derek Jones doesn't do? Derek Jones gives you a more consistent role throughout. He's certainly a way better athlete, plays with a lot more energy. He's not a good shooter, but neither is Pat. And Mark tweeted that after the game. And I'm like, thank you, Mark, for verbalizing this, because I was thinking it too. Like, you know, if, if you got to give Javante minutes at the four, and now like when Derek Jones comes in, he sort of helped change the complexion of that game against Boston. Uh, we're talking about giving Pat like bigger opportunities in terms of on ball. Should he even be playing? He really hasn't impacted winning at all since the start of the season. So there's a lot going on with Pat right now. And there's a lot going on while he doesn't do much. Uh, it's mostly just the discourse about what the Bulls should do with him and if there's any hope left for him. I will say, Jace, it reminds me quite a bit of the conversation around Wendell Carter Jr. when he was here. He's too passive. He doesn't look for his own shot enough. Well, Wendell Carter has turned into a really nice player with the Magic. Uh, Pat certainly has plenty of time left. I believe he's still only 21 years old. Yeah. Only 21 years old. Uh, so he's still super young, but he just turned 21. But man, it's just disappointing to see a guy in his third season with that top five draft status continue to put up some of the weakest lines you've ever seen. I mean, his numbers are just like especially bad. It'd be like one thing if he was averaging like matching what he was averaging the last couple of years, like eight and nine points and like five rebounds a game and assist or two. Right now he's averaging like five, two, and zero. And he's can't make anything. So like, I think he's clearly he's in his head right now. He is pressing. There was a one of the one of the first plays in the second half. They stick stick with him to start the second half, despite what we saw happen. Uh, he got past the ball into the corner, could have taken a three, but then he dribbles into a mid range shot, which is supposedly one of his bread and butters. But then he like pump faked multiple times, and then like ended up shooting like a fadeaway two that wasn't even close, and like clearly just like it's clearly just going through his head. Just like how, like, where should I shoot this? How, should I shoot this? And then just after multiple hesitations, he shoots and isn't close. Like that's, that was clearly a guy who just has no confidence in what he's doing offensively. Like a minute later, he'd got, he got his like first non garbage time basket was an offensive put back. And I was like, there we go. Like that, make that impact, like cl- crash the glass and do that, especially against the smaller team. But still when the, when the game was not garbage time or whatever, like at those last couple of minutes, he was like one of six, no assists and like one or two rebounds. And it's just like, and it is like, what do you do? Was, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's just him sucking. Uh, I mean, there's so many things you could point to as you kind of talked about here, but like with the bulls trying to win now, like, and are like, are they going to keep doing this thing where he plays, where they Keith Bogans him? Okay, Mark responded to my tweet and it's like today about that today, because I was complaining, I was just like, I'm not really complaining to saying like, I feel like him playing this Bogans role which he did the last couple of games, isn't helping anybody. Him just floundering, falling in these holes to start games, and then like he doesn't play the rest of the half. Like, Who is that helping at all? It's putting the bulls in holes. It's not helping him. He's losing his confidence. So just like, why do why even bother with this anymore? But then like, 
And Mark said, like, well, then that's definitely not Billy's long-term play here. Like, he's clearly just, like, trying to give him every little chance here to do anything. And, like, if he plays well, then he'll keep him on the court. But if he doesn't, then he's not playing. But still, it's like, at some point, maybe they do just have to try him on the bench again. But then the, the, then the question is, like, should he be playing over Derek Jones Jr.? Derek Jones Jr. had a huge, like, if, say, Javante started that game yesterday, would, that, would the start of the, that game yesterday gone that much different? And then if, like, Pat comes in instead of Derek Jones Jr., like, I know Derek Jones Jr. was, like, the 11th man, I think, yesterday. But, like, does that, ch- like, how much does that change anything? So, like, can Pat, can they get Pat going as a bench guy? Like, one of the reasons why I think it could make some sense is just like the way that Dragic plays and the way they like that bench sometimes pushes the pace. I know having Drummond out there maybe kind of throws that off too, but when you're talking about it, like as the role man and stuff like that, and they have been trying to get Pat in role man, some role man situations, they don't always hit him. And he did try to make, he made a few aggressive moves. There's that word aggressive going to the basket. He just can't make anything right now either. So like, yeah. it's just like a whole bunch of factors clearly lacking confidence. doesn't get many touches. There's walking on pins and needles. He's like, he's afraid of making, he also got back cut. I think Billy pulled him like right, like a minute after he got back cut by Jason Tatum. And then he didn't play the rest of the first half. Um, I wonder if that played a role in it. So like, so if you're not making it, if you're not going to do anything on offense and then you're getting back cut on defense, like what do we, what would you say you do here? And like, so he just doesn't play him. Uh, Especially when Jones makes that impact. And when Javante comes in and seems to make something happen, like immediately when he takes the court every time. Yeah. Like, I I have no way saying that they need to pull him from the rotation, but I mean, I feel like they have to make the starting lineup change. They can't keep getting in these holes with the starting lineup. Pat's not doing anything with the starters. It's clearly fucking with him. Get him out there with the second unit. They, if they, and I don't want to, I'm not going to say they need to put the ball in his hands because he's been awful with the ball in his hands, but try to get him doing the stuff like the role man stuff, try to get him out in transition. And if he still can't, if he still can't do anything. Maybe you do have to fucking just bench him. Totally. It's like, I mean, right now he's putting up like worst player in the NBA numbers when he's got a P I mean, PR, whatever is like four His shooting. He can't make anything uh, shooting wise. He's not rebounding, not playmaking. He's not doing anything. He's playing okay. Defense. He's playing decent defense sometimes. So like, that's like barely NBA level player. So like, I don't want to give, I'm not giving up on him. I don't want to give up on him. He's still so young. I was complaining the other day. I tweeted about how like it was annoying that like Lowry leading. I know they lost yesterday and Lowry did not play well. He did not shoot well. And it's not shooting well from three, but like, and you mentioned Wild Card Jr. Like we sometimes have to be patient with these guys and they doesn't always click for them right away. Lowry with the jazz in like a good situation on a rebuilding team with no pressure. They're giving him all these opportunities, trying to unlock all this stuff in his game. And he's been doing pretty well. Wendell, Orlando rebuilding team, no pressure. He's been doing pretty well. It's like Pat is now trying to develop on a team with limited touches. That's trying to win with other all-star guards. And it's just like clearly messing with his head. There's no confidence there and he's pressing. And it's just like, I'm not really sure what to do. The bulls don't seem to know what to do. Pat doesn't seem like he knows what to do. So it's just like, it's really tough. It's a tough situation. I said, I don't want to give up on him. I think a lot of people are saying he's a bust and all that. And maybe he is. He could easily be a bust, but like he is still so young. There is a very intriguing talent and package in there. It's just, it is, they are not, it's not working. They got to do something different because him having him play whatever, six, seven minutes start each half and him just doing nothing just seems like that's just not going to be, not going to really work here. Yeah. I think two things can be true. Pat can be not very good. And he's really never been very good. He's basically yep. drafted off just like flashes yep. of all these different 
hypothetical skills that he may or may not have. He had the size. He had like sort of the physical attributes you look for in a wing. Everyone wants wings. Yeah. And really, like when you think about how the Bulls put together the roster, they needed a four. So taking him in that spot, I mean, they could have took Denny Avdia. They could have taken Obi Toppin. Who looks, you know, those guys look better than Pat, but like those guys aren't world beaters. I guess Tyrese Halliburton was the one guy in that draft. Halliburton's what you liked, but then they would have still needed a four. Maybe yeah. you don't sign Lonzo at that point. Yeah. Given Lonzo's injury issues, maybe you'd rather have Halliburton than him anyway. Certainly it couldn't be a lot cheaper. Uh, but like they, I think, you know, the two things are the bulls have not really put Pat in a position to succeed or had any sort of like cohesive plan in terms of developing him. But then also Pat just might not be any good. Yeah. And I do think like he, he's 21 in 60 days. So he's like, so, so, so young. He's still younger than a lot of the rookies this year. Yep. And essentially, this is his second season because he got hurt in the fifth game of the year last year. But what you need from Pat is fucking figure out one thing you do well. And he hasn't really figured that out. It's not rebounding. It's certainly not passing or playmaking. It's not shooting. As a rookie, we thought he could get into his mid-range game a little bit. Billy was trying to deter him from taking those shots, telling him to shoot more threes. Now he can't even make a mid-range shot when he does go for it. Uh, defensively, like that's where you would love to see him just be like solidly above average. Like, you know, you could count on him to be a high energy defender who can give you some supplemental rim protection. who can hit the glass. Yeah. Impact plays too. He does none of that. Yeah. Like he had one nice block of, was it Tatum? It was either Tatum or Brown yesterday where I think he helped. He had one nice block yesterday, but then they get one of those again. Yeah. You know, I'd say his best defensive skill is still rim protection. Like on the perimeter, you know, he'll get burned. He's not that fleet of foot on the perimeter. Yeah. He's just not really a quick twitch athlete. He's more like strong and stocky, and yeah. he's really good at absorbing contact at the yes. rim. And I think he's got pretty good hand-eye coordination in terms of like being able to pinpoint the ball from behind on some of these swats. Uh, but it's looking rough for Pat. <laughs> the numbers and are bad. I, I do think I do think it's tough to get into a rhythm though when you yep. play with Zach Demar and Booch. He just doesn't touch the ball now. And I, and then I owe the point guard too. So it's like, and he's taking more shots too. So it's like, I mean, he's clearly fifth in the pecking order in that starting lineup. Uh, And it's just, just not working for him there. Now, obviously Jace, like you can force your way into the action with well-timed cuts. Yeah. How about hitting the offensive glass? That was his one basket. His one like meaningful basket yesterday was the offensive rebound and putback. So definitely want to see more of that out of him. I mean, we saw Derek Jones Jr. score 10 points in that stretch off the bench by basically just running the floor and cutting and getting to the line. And I mean, and he's not, again, Pat is not that athlete. It's easy to see that and be like, oh, why can't Pat do that? But like Jones and Javante Green have like A-plus athleticism. Yeah, that is true. Pat's just not that that bouncy, but it just kind of sucks that he just doesn't really play with any force or play with any oomph when he's on the floor. And that's what you need out of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like it's just a really tough situation. It's been really tough to watch. And like, if it keeps going like this, there's going to be. And if the Bulls struggle when they struggle, and he's putting up these lines where it's like four points, one rebound, no assists. I mean, he's an easy scapegoat, uh, especially when you see like the, the plus minus is often bad. Single wing plus minus isn't always indicative indicative of anything. But like, again, the starters are clearly struggling when he's on the court. Uh, 
often. So it's like easy skate. He's going to be an easy scapegoat. That could just ruin a young player's confidence for a guy who clearly is having those kind of issues. And we, I mean, we hear it when he talks, but I mean, Billy talks about it and they're trying to get him through this and it's just not, not going very well. Let's, let's move on from Pat. Is there anything, I'm trying to think if there was anything else really notable from these other three games. I mean, there've been no other injuries, which has been good. Uh, any thoughts on Dragic or Drummond anymore on them? Like I, I mentioned this yesterday that while Dragic is, isn't always the prettiest, he threw up some ugly shots last night. And I, in general, sometimes he could be a little out of control. Sometimes I think that out of control is kind of good because he just fucking pushes the ball. Like I'm very impressed that whatever he is, 36, 37, like that. He is just literally just always looking to run. That's always been his game. Uh, and he hasn't, he does, he's still pretty quick. Uh, and he still tries to push like almost whenever he can uh, again, like the Cavs, like that bench game against the Cavs was awful and he did not do anything there, but I thought him pushing pace was great last night. Drummond rebounded really well. Didn't really do anything else, but like he did this job rebounding. Uh, I know the bench helped get like Noah Vonleh in foul trouble. Uh, so anything on the, on those guys or any, any other just kind of random thoughts from these last couple games. Yeah. I think Drummond's playmaking or Drogic's playmaking. I'm sorry. He's been really impressive. He had six or seven assists yesterday. Overlooked, I think, when they made that signing. I think of Dragic mostly as a scorer. Yeah. When he was at his best and like helping drag the heat to the finals in the bubble when he was on Phoenix. Uh, You think of him as a scorer first guard. And I just wonder if he still had enough juice to be a scorer. And I'm still not sure he does. Yeah. He he puts up some ugly shots. (laughs) Is a playmaker. I think it's been really nice to have a guy who is just like a legitimate veteran table setter. And the Bulls haven't had a guy like that in a long time. Uh, you know, before you're sort of trying to force Kobe into like a point guard role or you're, uh, you know, you have other guys who just like aren't natural facilitators. But Dragic just has such a high feel for the game in terms of how to get his teammates involved. Uh, like even like at the end of shot clocks, he's like sort of ordering Derek Jones around the floor of like, you know, come set this screen, immediately hitting him on the roll, letting Jones uh, try to use his athleticism to finish at the basket. So I think Dragic just does a really nice job organizing the offense. He gets the team moving both in transition and in the half court. And it just seems like he's thinking a step ahead of everyone else in terms of like what he's going to do next as a passer. So Dragic's been pretty good. I'm like happy to have him around as the backup point guard. And it's sort of nice to have just a veteran you can trust to get some of this oddball talent involved like Javante, Derek Jones, even Pat, those guys aren't really going to like create a bucket out of thin air, but Dragic can help them get by sort of setting them up for success and uh, getting them the ball in opportunistic settings. So I think Dragic has been pretty good. Yeah. He and Derek Jones played together with Miami. I believe someone reminded me of that yesterday and they clearly, they had a nice little thing going yesterday with some lobs uh, and that kind of and the transition stuff. So that was great to see for sure. Yeah. I mean, I said, I was skeptical. We were both skeptical of the move when they made it. It's like, why do they need another guard? Like he's washed. I mean, so far he's been, I mean, Kobe has done nothing. Kobe played nine minutes yesterday and you look at his shooting numbers so far, they stink. Uh, his numbers are just not good. Clearly Dragic Billy is way more, uh, uh, belief in him. Uh, and it, it's, there's, uh, there's a reason why. I mean, he's just better at running the team, running the running the court as as this backup point guard. So it makes sense. Like I said, I like question like, do, do I really want to see like old ass Goran Dragic like, getting minutes over Kobe White if they're trying to like 
build up Kobe White for a trade or stuff like that? Or like, can Dra- is Dragic even better? I think so far, the clearly the answer is he is definitely better than Kobe is and that he should be playing uh, over Kobe because Kobe just hasn't done much and he hasn't been good. And Dragic has clearly just like the way he runs the team and pushes the pace just helps can help that bench unit be much better. So absolutely. Any other In thoughts? The- Seems like we're going 48 minutes of Vooch and Drummond. Yeah. It's centered. This was one thing I was wondering at the start of the season. Like, would we see some small ball lineups with Pat at the five, Javante at the four, you know, swap in Derek Jones if you want to. Seems like they're going 48 minutes of just beef inside with Vooch and Drummond. Uh, Drummond has been fine so far. I don't have any, like, Big time drumming criticism. I think he's generally been pretty solid. He was on the floor when the Bulls made their big run against the Celtics. So Drummond should be a good backup center. Yeah, yes, sir. Last time was a good example of Drummond just doing what he needs to do. Just be big and rebound. Like, because there are times where we see Drummond try to do shit offensively, and it's like, dude, you please, please stop. Like where he tries to like the guard in him comes out. Yesterday, I think he took two shots. Uh, just get him roll into the rim and throw lobs to him when you can, and then just rebound everything and beat larger on the basket. And like, that's, that's all we needed to do. Andre Drummond. And he did a good job of that yesterday. Uh, when he starts freelancing and doing some of that other stuff, uh, it can be questionable. Although I, I like, I did say if he has open threes, I would like him to take one or two a game. If they're wide open, like why not? They look pretty good. But so like, there have been moments where Drummond has looked really bad, but I think that's something we expected that he still sometimes can get a little, get a little carried away with his like on ball game, even though he has some decent passing skills, but like, yesterday he made no like glaring mistakes. He had 12, I think 12 rebounds and however many minutes he played, just clobbering that small Celtics unit just couldn't really do much against him on the glass or, or even scoring. So yeah, solid game for Drummond. Uh, it seems like, again, that bench might be kind of volatile, but I mean, that's kind of the nature of a lot of benches in the NBA unless you have just like a really, really good one. So Hit or miss sometimes, uh, but really, whatever. Uh, those guys have been fine. I can't, I can't really complain too much about it either. either uh, let's wrap this up by looking at the next week. Yep. The schedule. So on Wednesday, tomorrow, they've got the Pacers. 7 p.m. game at home. Pacers are one and three. Pacers are, you know, we're widely expected to be one of the worst teams in the league coming into the season. Super young team. Fun backcourt. That's got to be. A win. Yeah, they got to win, though. They got to win that game. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Burton and in. Ben Matherin. Interesting, at least. They, yeah, they've got some talent. Isaiah Jackson looks decent in the front court for them too. He's a real. Is, it, is is Miles Turner still out? I know he had the whatever ankle when he like they said he f- weird thing like at the start of the season, uh, and he no, I don't think he's played yet, uh, and I don't think he's playing. Maybe he is playing today. Yeah, he, he didn't play in their last game. He's still been out with an ankle sprain. Okay, yeah, uh, Jalen Smith who was a former lottery pick. Yeah. He's given him good minutes. He came over from the sun. So got to take care of business in that game. Then they have, let's see. I just closed it out here. So after the Pacers Philly, they, right? at San Antonio, no, San Antonio, another Friday, that's got to be a win, but the Spurs, I think are three and one. They are three and one. They've played uh, well so far. Yeah. They're like Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jakob Pertl. They've all been playing really well so far. Those, all those young guys on that team. Yeah, they have no star level talent and they have no true point guard. They're starting uh, Trey Jones, Jones, Tyus Jones's little brother, point guard. But I do think they have a lot of two way talent on that team. Like Keldon, Vassell, and Pirtle is a pretty solid like core. 
They got uh, Jeremy Sohan getting some burn in there as a rookie, looking just like Dennis Rodman, wearing the number <laughs> 10, having the colored hair. So San Antonio got to win that game. And then you're home against Philly on Saturday. Philly's been kind of spiraling. Of course, Philly's super talented. The Bulls so, have never beaten Joel Embiid, remember. They've never beaten Embiid. And that is a second of a back-to-back, correct? You said that's Saturday? Uh, Yeah, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, so I'm that playing Philly at uh, the second of a back-to-back well, sorry, is really tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. Friday, yeah, so that's oh. tough. That's tough to ask. I mean, I think you have to wonder, like, in that Cavs game. I mean, I know the Cavs were killing it, but the Bulls were a second of a back-to-back. Uh, in that Cavs game the other day, and they got smoked. So you do have to worry uh, if the Spurs, the Spurs are kind of feisty so far. Uh, if that game ends up being tough, and then you got to go play Philly the night after, that's just a tough ask. Uh, so yeah. And then after that, the next two games are at Brooklyn, and then home against Charlotte. So is it possible the Bulls could go four and one over that stretch? I would love to see it. That's probably the most optimistic. Uh, outcome you can get. I think, you know, you probably drop that Philly game as a schedule loss, second night of a back-to-back. At Brooklyn on Tuesday, you should be able to beat the Hornets even on a back-to-back. I know they've looked mildly competitive so far as well. But, you know, hopefully the Bulls can uh, rack up some Ws here because I think the early part of this season is just about staying afloat until Lonzo comes back. And hopefully, like, this will be the opposite of last season where last season they peaked early and yep. fell apart late. Like just tread water early, try to stay around 500. Hopefully you hit your stride when Lonzo comes back, uh, whenever that is in January or February, hopefully. So uh, yeah, got to beat the teams. You got to beat. Yeah. I mean, these next two, you got to win these next two. I know, like I know the Pacers have some fun talent with Halliburton and Matherin and Spurs are three and one. You got to beat those teams. Uh, those are tough losses. If you lose, that'll do it for us here at cash considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, as always shout out to the blue wire network. Uh, if you like what we're doing here at the blue uh, at cash, please check out all the other great pods all across the blue wire network. Um, for us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Pod- Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me and Ricky on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. We're always t- tweeting about the Bulls, talking about the Bulls, and all that good stuff. Please reach out to us with comments, concerns, questions. We'll do the best to answer, either there or on the pod. So, Cash Considerations, H. Bulls Podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. Bulls. It's not last year's Bulls. It's just...